This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey there, it's Tom here from the Business Breakfast and uh, you're listening to the Bite Size Business Breakfast podcast. The noise you can hear here behind us uh, is, of course, the bubble, the hubble bubble, the hubble bubble bubble of what's going on down at uh, Abu Dhabi Finance Week where we've been broadcasting throughout the entirety of the week. It's the 28th of November. These are the best bits. Uh, we've been speaking to Amber Musa, the CEO of Yabi by Souk Al Mal. Um, who are looking at expansion into the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and seen significant growth in 2023. Uh, talking of growth, uh, that's exactly what ADGM, uh, our hosts throughout the week, have seen as well. Uh, why Lum Kwok is the head of authorization for the FSRA, basically the regulators, if you like, down here at ADGM. They've got their work cut out at the moment. What with uh, blockchain, what with cryptos, what with other uh, tech available as well. So interesting chat with uh, Y Lum Kwok about some of the challenges they're facing at the moment. Talking of challenges, some companies facing challenges when it comes to their tax responsibilities. Uh, the co-founder of Cordell Partners, Oscar Orlena Haider, is a man who knows this part of the world well. There's a lot of work, there's business down here at the ADGM. He was uh, in town and came to see us to talk about the sort of development with regards to tax responsibilities, how many and companies are fully conscious and cognizant of what they need to do towards the end of the year. Big focus on all things hospitality. We spoke to the team from Sunset Hospitality Group. Also, uh, we spoke to Nicholas, uh, the head of LPM's global expansion at the moment. Why? Well, because there is an LPM not a million miles away from our broadcast position at ADGM. So we were trying to carry a bit of favour uh, with Nicholas, but also take advantage of asking him events like this. Just how significant is that for the takings at LPM? Uh, plus, uh, what's in the pipeline and what have they opened up? Where are they at at the end of 2023? In fact, uh, he's just come back from their latest opening in Las Vegas. That's all right here on the Bite Size Business Breakfast podcast. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiI1038.com. Yes, indeed. Welcome uh, to day two of the Abu Dhabi Finance Week, our second broadcast uh, live from ADFW, live from AUH. It's great to be here. The Business Breakfast is, uh, as you can see, on the road again. Thanks for tuning in nice and early. So please do tune in throughout the course of this week, all the way up to Thursday, as we will speak to the experts from the financial community who will be strategizing investment, innovation and sustainability for the new world economy at the moment. We're told there are 10,000 um, of the finance world's greatest descending on ADFW over the course of the next couple of days. And that's, that's to put aside... Uh, the thousands that call this home anyway and are in town uh, for the majority of the year. Um, there are some posh restaurants down here, some very, very good restaurants. Um, in fact, I took one for the team yesterday and went to investigate them uh, round about lunchtime. Did you now? Yeah. Um, so when I was sitting on the floor of ADFW, because it was standing room and sitting on the floor room only, I mean, it was packed, you couldn't get a seat. Um, so... I just thought I'm not I'm not standing I'm knackered so I found myself a little raised patch of carpet and pretended that you know you put the laptop up with the branding pretending that you're reporting and writing furiously so that no one moves you on and calls you a fire hazard whilst you were doing that I was scoffing oysters excellent I'm so pleased to hear that where were these oysters oh just a roundabout you know 
catching up with people, doing a bit of networking, um, doing doing. I'm the living run, life wrong. Up and down, you know, the, the Galleria Promenade. You know, you do you, you do your bit. Uh, no, it's nice. It's out and about. But yeah, the LPM thing is is this. LPM is a very well-known restaurant. Um, it's a homegrown brand as well. We're claiming it. Yeah, I know there's sort of history in other parts of the world. But the LPM brand, not the long-worded brand, the LPM brand is very much a Dubai brand. Um, very quick to come down here to Abu Dhabi. It's been a huge success here at the Gallery Mall ever since. Um, and we wanted to know, I mean, when you've got so many sort of... And financiers like a lunch. They like a lunch, they like a dinner, they like to entertain. So what does that do for business here, an event like this? What does that do for business um, for somewhere like LPM? And there are other, many other restaurants. Are very yeah, yeah, restaurants yeah. But it's the simplest ideas that are often the best. And there was a point, actually it was about this time yesterday morning, when Tom just turned around and said, when do you think you would have had to book a table to get into LPM or Zuma? during Abu Dhabi Finance Week? And that is the question that, A, I really hope you're going to ask. And that's the simple question that kicked it off. Because when did you get your PA to phone up and say, you know, I'm very sorry, the global CEO of da-da-da-da-da-da-da is going to be in town. Uh, we need to get him a table. Somewhere nice towards the front, please. Bit of a view of the water. Thank you very much. Yeah, those are the questions we'll be Was it a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? It would be interesting to find out. The places were busy yesterday, that's for sure. Uh, and the good news is LPM have been opening up left, right and centre around the world. Up to nine uh, venues now, um, both here in the region and globally. So we're going to have a bit of a deep dive into um, hospitality, not just here in Abu Dhabi, but further afield. So, yeah, t- Tom does LPM today. Um, uh, hoping to speak to the CEO of Four Seasons tomorrow about when you book your hotel suite of the Four Seasons. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Speaking to a man who is here every year because he fills an awful lot of seats in this jurisdiction. We are talking tax, though. It's nearly six months since we fired the starting gun um, on the accountancy period. Is it like for UAE corporate tax? Does that mean we're all staffed up? Oscar Ariana Haider is the co-founder of Cordell Partners. It's nice to see you again. Nice to see you. Thank you for having me. Always here as well. <laughs> so half a year um, since the uh, the start of the keeping the books mm. properly period for a lot of companies. How organised have we been in getting the right people in place? Yeah, I think um, there are so many things going on and before I start by the way can I just say a very quick thank you thank you to you thank you to the team you guys do a great job every year and I just wanted to publicly say sort of thank you and well done it's a brilliant brilliant production so keep keep it up keep going but sorry I just wanted to get that no, in we there take pub- it. publicly because it's great there's so much going on Look, um, there's so much going on around us I think this 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 jurisdiction these businesses in here they are focused on on fundraising they're focused on on developing their teams in terms of capital injection they're focused on a lot of things so for now six months tax okay we've still got what is it sort of seven eight months to go i think for now they're thinking of it slightly but they're not really actioning it and they'll sort of think we'll get to it come march april and we'll panic and we'll start having a sun boom so to answer your question they've they've acknowledged it they haven't really actioned it yet Wow. So what has that actually meant for staffing up? What have you seen? So the immediate sort of knee-jerk reaction is the, is the outsource model, the consultancies, very similar to compliance, so tax compliance, uh, the, the transfer pricing, uh, all of that 
is, is getting offshored uh, and, and outsourced to a number of the different consultancies. I speak to, to Tom in, in Dubai who runs a tax consultancy and he says, look, we've, we've increased our headcount. We've gone from, from about 15 to, to, to almost 30. So mm-hmm. these consultancies, if they're small, they're growing uh, bigger and bigger. And that means they're taking on more clients. So that's the initial gut feel reaction. Over time, they will be hiring externally but it's i talk about investment investment vehicles are out here it's investing in the people we've heard our dear old friend ray dalio investing in human capital is is the biggest uh, or the best form of investment i think they're sending their current people their incumbent uh, accountants on on ctas or they get upskilling and they're, they're basically up, uh, putting them on tax professional qualifications okay so that's interesting so rather than hire a whole new tax team mm. People are upskilling the team they've already got. That's one element to it. That's obviously bad for me and bad for other headhunters around here. Um, but it's great in terms of they're ring-fencing their current staff and it's nice to hear that they're not just, again, chopping and changing overnight. Mm-hmm. But over time, that won't be enough because these guys, they aren't tax accountants or tax compliance people. They're uh, chartered accountants and they're auditors, ex-auditors. So they will be needing to hire uh, a, a smaller tranche of tax professionals in the next seven to nine months. And I... And I, and I so around here, Abu Dhabi, it's Sovereign Wealth Fund, land. Uh, and I spoke to one uh, late last night preparing for this. Um, and they said, look, o- on average, I'm not going to name any names, but the, some of the sovereigns, they hire 100 to 140 people every year. Uh, and out of that, there's going to be a, a, a allocated percentage of tax professionals, small percentage. Um, but, but I would imagine something like 5% of that in the next calendar year. Um, to, to bolster there and I appreciate that's not a bank or a publicly listed company yeah. but you always gauge what the sovereigns are doing uh, and their headcount over the next 12 months okay well if we widen it not just uh, Abu Dhabi not just within the ADGM but Dubai as well where people have been hiring tax related experts how easy is it to find them here at the moment it's difficult it's it's never really been here on a scale that we're seeing so it's it's challenging and and i'm getting asked a lot of of heavy uh, regulated entities from from singapore from from australia from ireland wherever you've got a strong regulator bring that because those people are experienced and bring those people over so now we're seeing it pivot to more of actually okay we've exhausted the pool of of tax people here can we bring more over um, who are qualified through those qualifications, who have done, uh, who have seen it already. It's interesting you say that I've got a strong regulator. Very useful, by the way, because we have a regulator roaming around these parts. The um, head of the, uh, the Financial Service Regulatory Authority for ADGM. He's going to be joining us in a second. So almost your worth as a tax professional can go up a little bit. You're yeah, definitely. Up a little bit yeah, definitely. If you've been working in a jurisdiction yeah, with completely. strong regulation. Yeah, 100%. And that's not just, uh, yeah, of course, tax is important, but across the whole um, regulated entities, authorised individuals. So Mass Singapore is, mm-hmm. is obviously the first hunting ground for, for people like myself. Uh, ASIC has an Australian regulator, has incredibly strong people there. Um, Irish regulators, even sort of smaller regulators that are really condensed and really sort of pressure cooker like Qatar yeah. has, a, has some good people. So um, Canada, so Canada operates the pension funds and the, the Ontario Teachers Plan and a lot of the, the, the guys are really strong over there and they can plug and play here. They can plug and play to Adia or, or, or Mubadala or, or, or the council because it's very similar structures. So they've already done the tax structuring in Canada. So that's an easier plug and play rather than sort of 
try and force a, an upskill of someone who's been doing a different fashion, basically. Tell me one thing, in general, just to get away sure. from tax. We're down here at Abu Dhabi Finance sure. Week. We see you here every year. Yeah. You fill a lot of seats yeah. in these try. buildings. Try my best, yeah. What are you seeing demand for at the the moment? Huge amount of growth. Yeah. I think they've upped the number of companies by a third. Yeah, thank you. I was just about to say, I think the most interesting thing, and I'm very fortunate, so so your next gift by is a legend in these parts, right? The regulator um, has a huge drive on new entrants to the market. Mm-hmm. So these new entrants to the market, they're from different geographies. They don't necessarily, they understand, of course, they read the rule, but, but they don't necessarily uh, fully comprehend what they need to be authorised, regulated. They need the three critical businesses to to, to become uh, licensed, and with that Cat Three license, they need it. So, so new entrants to the market, and that's heads of the office, so SEOs, um, that is uh, compliance, it's finance, all of the above. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I know it's a really busy week <laughs> for you. Oscar Ariana Heider um, is a founding partner, co-founder of Cordell Partners. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Our earlier guest, Oscar Ariana Heider, was talking um, about the importance of regulation and the fact that tax professionals from well-regulated regions uh, could demand higher salaries uh, than those from other countries. We are speaking now to the regulator here, uh, the ADGM Financial Services Regulatory Authority. They've just put together um, their modus operandi, their business plan, their manifesto, if you like, for 2024. And we are joined by their head of authorization, Wai Lum Kwak. It's lovely to see you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Before we do look at what you're going to do in the next 12 months, um, let's actually have a chat about last year's um, ADFW. And the big star of the show then was CZ. We spoke to him for, for our show um, and, and Binance had just got a big sign off from, from you guys. Obviously a year later it's a very different picture um, and we've just seen them pay four billion dollars odd or be fined uh, four billion dollars odd. What does that mean for Binance's dealings here in Abu Dhabi? Um, right, so as a regulator it's our policy not to comment on our supervisory dealings but I can say this, um, when we introduce our rules and regulations uh, we set a high watermark and a high benchmark, right, covering the key risks that we intend to address with any of our virtual asset players, and the same goes for Binance. So some of the areas that we would look at would include um, the AML CFT risk, their technology governance, as well as the safe custody of the customers' clients' uh, funds. So um, with the developments in the US, uh, we are keeping close steps. Um, I would say um, they would have a fair bit of things to do to, I suppose, turn the new chapter. So we will continue to watch that space uh, very closely and I think uh, their hands are full in the next, at least next three to six months uh, to get it right. Well, I mean, you've said a new chapter. That's actually the language that the new CEO of Binance has used. Um, a man who you have worked with very closely before. Um, the man who's in there to sort it out, Richard Tang, used to be the head of the regulator here. Um, are you able to tell me a little bit about what he's like? Well, we are colleagues. We are friends, so I suppose when it comes to work with professional, uh, we do have the vision of uh, Abu Dhabi uh, in mind, and I think all of us here sort of shares the same vision of what economic growth can be established 
and achieve in this uh, fast-growing sector, in this fast-growing region. Right? So I think as regulators, even now with the current team that are working with, uh, we all believe in putting in place sound regulations to support uh, deployment, the responsible deployment of innovation. So that has not changed. And in fact, it's one of the things in this business plan for 2024 is to continue to regulate the digital assets space. How do you keep ahead of a space that is continually changing? Indeed, I've oftentimes been asked a question, how do you balance the, uh, the approach between innovation and regulation? Uh, I think first and foremost, as a regulator, I would say we really believe that innovation can transform the industry. The benefits it brings about in terms of efficiency, transparency, uh, as well as uh, uh, better regulatory outcomes and consumer choices. Right? So that is a starting point. We want to support innovation. Right? To do that, we believe uh, sound regulations that are supportive of the responsible deployment of innovation is key. I think in the report, you will see, you glean some um, references as to how we approach that. Uh, for me, two things come out uh, strongly and first and foremost is the ability to interact and collaborate closely with the industry, uh, feel the pulse on the ground, to listen to what are their needs. And of course, we have our own independent minds of how to take it forward. Uh, but I think having that touch points with the industry is one. So we continue to collaborate very closely with them. Right? The second thing is we do need to enhance our capabilities in supervising uh, innovation. Right? And for that, we are quite clear that uh, the leverage use of technology uh, is going to be very important. And we continue to uh, experiment with the adoption of regulatory technology and supervisory technology. What about the other big focus that comes out of this business plan, which is detecting and preventing financial crime? Okay. How do you increase those efforts? Yeah. So that piece about addressing and tackling uh, money laundering, terrorist financing and financial crimes uh, will continue to be at the core and fore of our supervisory program. Um, today, our program comprises a comprehensive uh, range of tools from the gatekeeping level to the ongoing supervision, as well as a set of uh, strong enforcement tools that we can put in place. Right? Uh, just to give an example, so when firms come into us, we make sure we do our due diligence thoroughly to make sure the bad actors don't come in. That's at the gatekeeping level. On an ongoing basis, we have a, a annual thematic inspection plans that we go down to the firms to understand uh, what they're doing and to make sure what they put on paper is in fact effectively translated into actions on the ground. Right? And of course, you have seen us exercise our enforcement powers as and when required. What is the, the pipeline like for companies looking to come in here that you will need to regulate? I understand there's a launch tonight for, for one um, exchange. I've been talking myself, wandering around to an awful lot of funds who are looking to set up shop here. Mm. How busy are you going to be over this year? <laughs> it's an uh, understatement to say that we are busy. Uh, in fact, uh, I always joke with my, my, my colleagues that uh, actually this year, other than looking at what's in front of me on my plate, I've got no bandwidth for anything else, right? So I think in terms of statistics, we are easily seeing uh, 50% growth from last year in terms of uh, applicants. And I think next year, uh, we can expect uh, perhaps even stronger than that. Where are you seeing them come from primarily? Okay, um, all over the world. I would say um, with the U.S. Um, developments, the regulatory environment there, we do see a strong interest from uh, U.S. Uh, firms uh, looking to also establish some sort of a presence internationally outside of the U.S. because of the uncertainty they're facing over there. Uh, we're seeing interest from Asia, uh, especially from uh, Singapore and Hong Kong. Uh, I suppose um, post-COVID, there's a sort of renewed um, 
resurgence of uh, interest uh, of looking to diversify away from their current um, uh, economic sphere to this region, which is a fast-growing sector. Um, the usual suspects from the UK uh, and the EU region are still coming in, but I will see the main growth coming in from Asia PAC as well as the US. And local, uh, we do see the local champions coming in. Uh, we, the, we see the Abu Dhabi government and the UAE government uh, supporting this uh, area in a big way, recognizing the potential benefits it can bring. So uh, exciting to be working with some of our stakeholders, including the Sorrel Funds, who are dabbling into the space and institutional players dabbling in the space. Okay, one minute left with you. eToro is one of the latest to get a license, really well-known investment platform. Um, where's the balance there of licensing these guys and also promoting you know, the responsible investment, the financial literacy that you've got in this plan? So um, our engagement process with them has taken almost a year, Wow! Right, which means uh, um, I think for players coming in, there are a few things they need to understand. Uh, first and foremost, uh, you have to be embracing regulations. That has to be the top of your mind, right? If you're not serious about that, no, let's not, let's not go further, right? So I think there's a bit of um, education process and engagement process to how we regulate this field. Because I would say our uh, framework, it's almost one of a kind when we first introduced it, right? So that process of educating them to get us on board, uh, get them on board uh, in, on par with our regulatory expectations is very important. While I'm Cook, is the Mr. Regulator we've got in the room, Financial Services Regulatory Authority Head of Authorisation. Thank you for joining us. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. We are speaking this morning to one of the best-known founders of financial instruments here in the UAE. She founded Souk Al-Mal, she's founded Yabi, and she's just raised an awful lot of money doing it. I'm speaking to Amberine Musa this morning. Morning, Amberine. Morning, Brandy. How are you? I'm good. I don't want to steal your thunder, though. So I have deliberately there not said uh, any numbers or exactly what you've raised because we appreciate the fact that you've come to us first with this story. Uh, The financial education platform, Yabby, closing a new round of funding. Tell us the details. Absolutely. So I'm very excited to to announce that we've actually raised $8 million of seed fund. Um, And I think what we found in the market was uh, an awful lot of interest in financial well-being and and financial literacy. It's become not only part of most HR directors um, on their their mind and, and, you know, three levels of of wellness of employees is mental wellness, health wellness, but financial wellness has become a big part of it. Um, So we've we've raised $8 million of, of seed fund that will allow us for the next two years or so to not only really build up our UAE business, but also launch in Saudi Arabia. So as part of, of the, the announcement as well, we've recently launched our Saudi app uh, last week. So we're now available in the UAE and in Saudi, both in Arabic and in English. Okay, we'll get to the, the Saudi um, expansion in just a moment. You may have been spotted on a plane leaving the kingdom by the man to my left. But let's look first um, at what that money, that $8 million, is going to allow you to do. 
Absolutely. So there are a couple of things we're doing. So the first thing we built um, and we launched around a couple of months ago was a financial well-being platform. So the app is really built out in three or four different pillars. The first pillar is all about online education. So it's classes, online classes from budgeting all the way to investment on allocation of assets. And they're very small classes, 25 minutes each into little chapters of two to three minutes each. We've got the likes of the CFO of Do, the CIO of Emirates NBD, the CEO of, Cred of the Credit Bureau, all helping us and be part of the financial movement of increasing financial literacy in, in, in the country. The second pillar is really about the credit score. So we've actually allowed all our subscribers to do a credit score check onto the app. So we're connected directly with the credit bureau. Most people, if you ask them, they don't even know what the credit score is or what impact it has on them. So that's the second pillar that we've built. The third pillar that we're looking at building, which that's where the funding will actually come in, is growth in the product pillars itself. And the third pillar is looking at how do we not only educate our subscribers, but actually help them grow the level of savings and investment into the country. Sorry, Embrini, are you talking yeah, about becoming a platform yourself? Uh, what do you mean becoming an a investment, An investment platform or a savings platform? No, we're not looking at becoming a savings platform ourselves. What we're looking at is potentially partnering up with a with a partner. But I think what we're really, really good at is integrate the learning into that process of investment, right? So I think one of the hardest thing we've seen, or we've spoken to a lot of the platforms, and one of the hardest part of bringing a customer in is pressing that trade button or understanding how to invest. The, the human mind finds it extremely difficult to understand the impact of today's action on tomorrow. And that's where the integrated learning will come in and eventually give them options on where they can, they can potentially invest. But we ourselves will not be doing any investment management. OK, well, let's talk about Saudi. Um, I believe you ran into Mr. Tom Urquhart on the plane. How big could Saudi be for you? I think, look, Saudi is, 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 a, is a phenomenal place when it comes to financial literacy. It forms part of the Vision 2030 and a big one as well. Um, we are in conversation with, with the regulators there. And I think one of the couple of, of data that is interesting, the average annual gross savings in Saudi is 1.6%, which means on average, annual gross in, out of your annual gross income, people are saving 1.6% of that. And that's relative to around 35 to 40% in, in the UAE. Um, so the, the level of savings is extremely low. And if you think about increasing level of savings and investment, it's a multiplier effect on the on economic growth. Why? As people learn and understand the concept of saving one and to reinvest that money back on the stock market, back into the, the, the economy, whether it's through angel investment, whether it's through private equity, however they feel to invest the money back in the economy, it just creates an economic growth. There's a linear correlation between literacy and GDP growth of the country. Um, Saudi Arabia is looking to get 70% of, um, of Saudis as homeowners in the next, um, by 2030, which is a big number. Um, but to be able to get a home, you need to understand how mortgage works. To be able to get a home, you need to understand how the repayment of the mortgage works. And this is what we're trying to bring into the country is really the understanding of, of credit cards, of mortgages, and also financial planning. So it's from the person who's just started their career and how do I even budget? What percentage do I put in savings? What percentage do I, can I go and travel? All the way to, I've got my budget sorted. How do I now make my money work for myself? Amberine, we have to leave it there, unfortunately. Amberine Musa is the CEO of Yabi by Sukar Malwasa, the founder of both companies, speaking to us this morning after raising $8 million and a new round of funding. Thank you for your time. It's the Business Breakfast, broadcasting live from Abu Dhabi. We're live from the Abu Dhabi Finance Week. 
You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.